From our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York, it's the Pick and Pot. Drop us a voicemail at 347-903-WFUV. Now, here are your hosts, Kenny Ducey and Matt Rosenfeld. The playoffs have started. Where amazing happens. It is It is amazing is happening. Yeah. Oh, it's happening, and it's happening in, in droves. In these first couple of days, um, unfortunately, the amazing Kevin Kelly is not happening here. We're just we're thinking about you, Kev. We're a little out for no, Kevin. No, it's Kelly. it's okay. Nothing's nothing's happened to Kevin. Nothing. He's not hurt. He's just not here. He's just he's just not here. We miss Kev. Anyway, it's April twenty second, two thousand fourteen, on the Pick and Pod. Kenny Ducey, Matt Rosenfeld, right there. We're going to be joined by Seth Rosenthal of Posting and Toasting. SB Nation's because, Posting and Toasting, not Toasting. Because even in the midst of the playoffs, the Knicks will still make the Knicks. Moves. No, still the Knicks. Uh, ben Harper was just in the studio. I'm actually wearing Ben Harper's headphones. I also ate quite possibly the, the croissant that Ben Harper won. It was the last croissant. No, he probably already had his croissant. Probably had plenty of croissants because he's Ben Harper. He you can have who, as many croissants as he wants. You know who had plenty of croissants last night? Kevin Durant. Oh, dude, he was that shot, oh, man. Oh, my God. I, I can't honestly, honestly. I saw it in my this, sleep. Honestly, in my lifetime, I don't know how many shots like that I have seen. Well, let's be this honest. You overreacted. General. You called it a shot of the decade. No, obviously not the shot of the you, decade. You probably was, meant it. But <laughs> no, it was spectacular. Only, only half meant it. It was spectacular. <laughs> but I, they oh, lost. They did lose. Does it take away from the shot? No. No, I don't think so. Oh, hold on. But a, a fadeaway three while being knocked to the floor and fouled in the playoffs, in that scenario. In the corner. Down. Like, what, five? They were down five? They were down five. I just, I, I'm not like, I'm not here saying, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was the greatest shot of this decade. But, I mean, You're not, not given the circumstances, wasn't. given the difficulty, why are you playing? You play Monopoly on your phone I just was now. Put, just put it away. You were, before you were playing, and then it was on your screen. Um, I just that was one of the greatest shots I've ever seen in my life. No, I, no, I've seen a lot of like, like while I've been in existence, like I've seen like Jordan shots, maybe yeah. like you know. Well, I'm gonna be know. honest. Watching live, I've seen only one shot of a higher degree of difficulty that made me right, go okay. just as crazy. And it was Trey Burke shot against Kansas last yeah, year. Yeah, okay, yeah. In the Sweet 16. Yeah. That's about it. Even the... Um, and it was just as big a magnitude. It sent the game to overtime. But degree of difficulty... No, uh, that was tough. Shot. I can't get over it. Yeah. Um, but there's more to talk about. There is a lot more to talk about. The whole playoffs as the as a whole. Uh, the Hawks. The Hawks? Hawks? The Pacers. The Pacers. Um, the, the Indiana Pacers clearly just... After Evan, you just that's why you don't get Evan Turner. There's got to be something there. It's got to be chemistry at this point because there's no way they could play this bad for this long. They're not no. that bad at basketball. No, um, they there was a great average, just a, just great advertisement or like fake advertisement online today. Like Roy Hibbert, like anyone want to buy a, a seven-two strangely in decline center or something like that is is really funny. And he, I was looking up his numbers. He's not. He's not as bad at protecting the restricted area. But, but let me just get this out of the way right now. Go ahead. I know SportVue or SportView. I love SportView. I know this guy, Paul Haverson. Shout out Paul Haverson. Uh, he does the SportView at MSG. I've seen him do it. It's really cool stuff. They have this percentage, field goal percentage at rim, right? 
Then, on NBA stats, the media stats, they have field goal percentage in a restricted area. So Is restricted area at rim, or is it's, there a difference? That's, but that's the, that the like, That's the thing. It, no, they're different percentages. But that's what I don't get. Like, what shots? I guess, like, a, like a floater or something? But like, a floater is usually in the paint. It, it's just really weird. But the point is, I like looking at restricted area field goal percentage as well as the field goal percentage at rim. I usually look at restricted area per, uh, field goal percentage And how's more. Roy Hibbert doing there? Not that badly. I think now... Uh, opponents are, I think, like uh, for the season, it was around fifty-one percent. Since the All Star break, it's it's a it's about fifty-one. That's good defense, right? But but the reason I looked it up is because there was one uh, stat floating around. I think it was courtesy of ESPN that he only defended one shot at the at the rim in game one, like only one shot. Now, Roy Hibbert is not doing very well. Roy Hibbert is not having. Not even having a decent season, he's, no, having, he's, a having, a, he's season. having a bad season. But uh, I've heard think, the comparisons, right? I just I think that I look his offense is is obviously very bad, defense has has declined. But I mean, you look at at least the field goal percentage of opponents at the uh, in the restricted area, it's not as bad as you would think. And even the on off, like the Pacers are clearly worse defending the defending the rim or defending the restricted area. Without Roy Hibbert, there's no doubt about it, and a lot, a lot of the, I think Zach Lowe is really a proponent of this of this point, that maybe uh, Roy Hibbert's value doesn't always come in rebounding the basketball. You know, he doesn't grab as many rebounds as you'd think a seven-two center might, but maybe his value comes in the fact that he's taking up defenders that or offenders that would get rebounds, creating space for his teammates to get rebounds, and in that comes a lot more value than you can really see as opposed to actual statistics like grabbing a rebound. You know, boxing out the opposing team's best offensive rebounder isn't a stat, but it helps the team immensely. And the Pacers, yeah. the Pacers like, can use him still very much, even though he's not having the season that we expected him to. Well, you know, enough about like good teams or like decent teams. Let's talk about a really bad team. And welcome in our guest, Seth Rosenthal of SB Nation's Posting and Toasting at Seth underscore Rosenthal. Seth, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure thing. It was uh, it was a pretty crazy game last night in OKC, and, and we'll get to that um, in just a sec. But first, we have to start off with the Knicks, who continue to make headlines just because they just, like, torture us. Um, they fire Mike Woodson, and I my first question to you is, do you think Phil Jackson goes to Steve Kerr right away, or is there some candidate here we're missing? Like, is Derek Fisher going to shoot threes from the bench and also coach? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> I I don't have a good read on that. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Derek Fisher. I hadn't really thought about it, but, um, I mean, to begin with, it's, you know, it's unclear whether the, the Knicks are going to do a full coaching search since Kerr seems like such a, just such a front runner at this point. But, if they do want to do a full coaching search, then based on the rumors we've heard, they have to wait for the playoffs to end because Derek Fisher might be one of those guys. I'm sure a couple, uh, I guess Jim Clemens, who I think is on the Bucks, isn't really involved in the playoffs right now. But um, if they do want to do a, a proper search, which I think is probably the right way to do business for a new GM, um, that might not take until you know the end of the playoffs after the draft it might really be deep into the summer or the Knicks could hire Steve Kerr like while we're on the phone right now. So 
it, I, I really don't have a good read on what Phil Jackson's plan is. He certainly does seem really attached to Steve, Steve Kerr. And beyond that, it's sort of a, a level playing field that's that's well beneath him. Seth, I've been a big fan of the Steve Kerr for the Knicks idea since the first time I heard it. I think he's he'd be great for the Knicks. He'd be great as a coach. But I want to know, as a a very a very big Knicks follower, do you want Steve Kerr as the head coach of the New York Knicks? It's it's so hard to have an opinion about that because he, he you know I just have nothing to work with. He he was the GM of the Suns for a bit. He he was in a tough situation. He had to make some some weird moves because of ownership, but didn't do a great job. Um, he's I know him as an announcer, and I don't know. He's articulate and smart enough. He he says a lot of questionable things, including about the Knicks. So I don't really know what to make of that. And you know he was he was a intelligent and successful successful, extremely talented shooter uh, as a player. So. That's it. I have I have nothing else to work with. You know, the the fact that Phil Jackson, who is very established and successful, obviously um, feels some affinity for him. I guess holds some value. But you know, I I, I like the idea of first time coaches. I like the idea of not hiring a retread. Um, typically, in that case, you'd hire someone off an opposing team's bench. You know, you go for for a hot young assistant, um, and Steve Kerr isn't exactly that. Um, but yeah, I just I just don't have a really strong opinion about him because I I don't I don't know what his values would be as a coach, and he just doesn't come with much of a reputation. But um, you know, seems all right, I guess. Well, Phil Jackson comes with a reputation, and uh, Tom Ziller, uh, one of your uh, co compadres at SB Nation, tried to ruin yeah. all the fun when he posted that Phil Jackson coaching chart, which was disgusting. And I mean, Brian Shaw's on there, and like, who knows? Like, could be on the Knicks. Um, I mean, do, do you really put that much stock into how coaches have done after, you know, kind of coaching under Phil Jackson? Or do you think that, like, maybe there is some sort of disconnect between Phil's philosophies um, and getting them out on the court through other people? It's, you know, to some extent that matters to me. That's one of the things that worried me a little just from the outset um, is that, you know, Phil Jackson is has never been a, a president before. Um, has never been the GM of a team. He's always been the coach. Uh, and we have reason to believe, based on just rumors and, and, and what we've heard, that he's really going to stick to people he knows um, in whatever, you know, coaching search, GM search, even, I mean, even free agent search uh, that lie ahead. And, you know, maybe he just his guys are the best guys, and 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 we should trust him with that. But to me, that you know, that's borderline cronyism, and I, I don't know, not the most encouraging thing. And so, you know, Zilly's piece, it's like, well, none of these guys have, with or without the triangle, have really succeeded. Um, but then again, none of them were working directly with Phil Jackson. So does that change things? You know. Uh, it, it's 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 a questionable thing. It, it's just like the cursing, where where Phil Jackson doesn't have any really relevant experience for us to to you know form an opinion of or just form an expectation about him. And so I don't know. I, I, I but we have no reason really to believe at this point that he's going to look outside his circle, his tree, or whatever. And yeah, like Ziller said, his tree really hasn't done much in the league 
but they've also, you know, not really been able to work with him. So it's it's tough. It's just really hard to gauge. Um, and I I don't know how to feel about it. Well, obviously, first on his on Jackson's agenda is the coach, but then there's the roster. I mean, we know the Knicks are handicapped financially, but what's the moves or the the potentially one move, two moves, who knows, that Phil Jackson has to make to try to get this team even more competitive next year? Well, I think it's, you know, everything is a contingency and it's sort of a domino thing. Um, if if the Knicks just go ahead and re-sign Carmelo Anthony at something at or close to max, then, you know, there's not going to be much else to do. Um, unless maybe they want to make trades around him, trade Tyson Chandler. Uh, I think the most important thing is that they either get Melo's value or they replace Melo's value. That they don't just let him walk. And that's it's a difficult task to accomplish and sort of delicate. But, uh, you know, if he decides that he doesn't want to be in New York, it's it's pretty important that you don't get just empty space in return. That wouldn't be the end of the world, but it would be really nice to, you know, recoup some of the draft picks that the last few uh, regimes have lost, uh, get, some, get some, you know, young guys, some some good contracts, some expirings, whatever, but get something in return. And and then, you know, Tyson Chandler, who I mentioned before, is another is another person in that position where he's not a free agent, but um he has a big contract. They may want to trade him. And if they do, it would be really nice to 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 get some assets in return. Because the Knicks are not only financially strapped, but they are without assets. You know, they, they have huge contracts and they have tiny contracts and nothing that's really tradable. Um, and just just nothing really salable on the uh, on the rest of the roster. So I think it's it, it's either holding on to those big contracts or or turning in turning them into alternative value is is really what lies ahead for him. Well, you talk about big contracts in the NBA playoffs. There's a move over there, and they're all all like almost all of them, a lot of them on the Nets. They play the Raptors yeah. in this first round series. Uh, Deadspin actually did something on their defense. Uh, how how good it is because you know and they're really old. Uh, they've been good uh, these last couple of months, and they look like maybe the biggest threat to the Heat in uh, the postseason. Would you agree with that statement, given you know what you've seen from the Pacers? Man, you know, I I really came into these playoffs thinking that the Pacers were were full of it at the end of the season, and we're about to turn it back on. And it's only been one game, and I feel like game ones can be really deceptive. But man, did they look terrible! They really like the Hawks are, are the Hawks are a are a decent team and a better team than they were to finish the year, but they are not as good. Like they're not as good as they looked against the Pacers, and they're just Indiana just looked like a bunch of guys who weren't playing the roles you expect of them. Like they completely regressed to a man, um, and so. I, I still don't quite believe it, you know, that that uh, the Pacers are, are that terrible, but they really looked not just like they w- were capable of giving up a game, but of losing that entire series after the first game. So, yeah, I mean, with them, if they really aren't going to turn things around, then, yeah, it's, the you know, the Nets, maybe the Bulls, you know, maybe the Raptors, if they can turn their series around, but they look super jittery in game one. Uh, I, I almost think of it at this point as more just the heat, and then there's just a bunch of mush. That there just isn't really anyone to contend with them. Because I know the Nets had a good regular season against them, but I don't, I don't quite buy that. Just because I've seen 
well, I'm a Knicks fan. I've seen teams have a great regular season against the Heat before and not actually be any match for them. Well, you know, Seth, part of that mush is the Washington Wizards, who defeated the Bulls in the first game and have looked pretty, pretty good late in the season. You know, Nene and Gortat down low have been playing well, and this could be John Wall's breakout postseason. A lot of people are picking them to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Do you think they have enough to get past the Bulls and then potentially the Pacers slash Hawks? You know, it's it's another one that, like, I, I think I came into the playoffs assuming the Bulls would handle the Wizards pretty easily. I just, you know, it's, it's I guess, instinct at this point to assume that the Bulls are going to dismantle anyone they face because they're, you know, tougher and harder working and just better prepared. Um, and again, you know, we're, we're talking a game in, I really think that still could be the case, but the Wizards have a lot of talent. I, they're, they're appeared to be better coached than I thought, you know, or the, that anyone thought they were for a while. Um, but I really, I sort of put them on the same level as anyone else. I think beneath the heat, it really seems like seven teams was about equal chance of, of ending up playing them. Well, I guess some of them mathematically cannot end up playing them in the conference finals, but there just doesn't seem to me to be much distinction between two and eight at this point. They're really just, just mush, like I said, and those are some decent teams, but the heat I think are on another level entirely. Well, Seth, before we go to the Western conference uh, and before like anything else happens in the playoffs, it'll skew this answer. What? Is your Eastern Conference Finals, and who goes to the the finals? I'm assuming the Heat win that game, but maybe who are they playing? I, well, correct me if I have the the way the seedings work wrong, but I I would still take I think the Bulls out of the East, but the, but then when the Bulls face the Heat in the next round, I'm trying to yes, picture that the would be what how it would go. The Bulls would beat the Wizards, and then would face the winners of the Pacers Hawks series. So you're picking the Bulls to come out of that side of the East. Yeah, I, yeah, that I think that would be my pick, even though they're down again. All right, so let's move to the Western Conference now. Now that we have the the Heat in the finals, right? You're you're gonna go with with them. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Durant, like as a fellow basketball watcher, I mean, just uh, wow. Is is but then he loses. Then he loses the like. Then they lose the game. Is this? It's such a weird West because you have, like, Derek Fisher, like, banking in threes and just, I don't know, missing layups, but then, like, spectacular two. And this, like, the, the Thunder look really fun and they, they could be really good. The Spurs, obviously, the old guard, they're, they're, they were the best team in the NBA this year. What do you really make? Like, who is the best team in the West right now? Oh, I, I think it's the Spurs and I don't, I don't really, I don't. I have trouble trusting the Thunder, especially, I mean, you know, like you said, we're we're working with a small sample size and there's a bit of recency effect, but like in in what was an important game, you know, you got to defend your home court. They looked like such a mess on Monday night, like just very, very sort of stereotypically Scott Brooksy where on the most crucial of possessions, they're chucking up these terrible shots. And guys, guys like like Derek Fisher, like you said, are just freelancing in ways they really shouldn't be. Um, and and the Grizzlies are not, you know, a terrific executing offensive team, but they, especially down the stretch, found ways to pick them out, pick them apart with with pick and roll and with just like basic backdoor stuff. And 
Yeah, I mean the, the you know the Thunder the Thunder are so good that they nearly won last night despite just absolute bedlam down the stretch. Like they didn't take a single good shot in the final few minutes and still came back. Um, and so that could still get them pretty far. But you know the Spurs to me like have nearly as much talent and just are so much more composed on the floor. Like they just don't really sink to the level of of any opponent. And I. I you know, I, I don't think it's on the same on the same level as the East, where like there's one team and then there's everyone else. But the Spurs, this regular season, and you know, just in these few games we've watched the playoffs, have looked so so much more polished than everyone else. Um, but like I said, game ones are deceptive. Sometimes it takes you know a game or two to settle in. But I, I really, I have trouble picturing the the finals being any other, anyone other than Heat Spurs at this point, which is boring, but. That's just how it looks to me. One team that's been really interesting and last night decided to finally defend their home court was the Clippers. You know, Blake Griffin had such a spectacular night and has really shown that he could step up to that next level. So I know you're picking the Spurs, but do you see the Clippers as being the biggest potential threat to the Spurs in the West? I, 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 you know, I think the Clippers fall into some of the same bad habits that the Thunder do, but they have Chris Paul and he has a bit more of a settling influence on a team than say Russell Westbrook has. Not that Russell Westbrook isn't great, but like, I feel like when everything's going nuts, Russell Westbrook kind of gets swept up in it. Whereas Chris Paul, (laughs) although Chris Paul took some really, really just yucky shots uh, over these last couple of games, just, just like, kind of poor decision-making in a way that I wouldn't expect from him. Um, I, the Thunder, just because they're so unpredictable. And I mean that in a good way this time, they, they still strike me as like more of a threat than the Clippers do. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Clippers are right up there as well. As I'm sure is becoming evident. I'm not really like, uh, smart about any of this i'm kind of just making stuff up as i go along so if you ask me again in half an hour i'd probably give you a totally different answer (laughs) um all right well give me a hot take on the awards race because everyone has and had before pop and noah won defensive or coach of the year and defensive player of the year everyone has the same awards award recipients except for like rookie of the year it seems to be like a couple people have Oladipo. I mean, do you have any like just scorching hot takes to give us in this that we haven't already heard? Let's see a hot take. I mean, I Popovich totally makes sense as coach of the year. Noah is really hard to argue with as defensive player of the year. I mean, I you know I'd feel pretty comfortable picking LeBron over Durant as MVP, but I think that's not it's not the hottest take in the world. Well, to do, you suggest be- that do you believe LeBron in like, James might be MVP? Do you believe in like the voter fatigue thing? Do you think that that's the reason? Because th- that is obviously theorized by some people as like, well, they don't want to vote the best player every year, but I mean, he is that's, the best player. That's BS to me. I do. I believe in that as a phenomenon. I think. I think maybe people aren't giving LeBron, I guess, enough of a shot against Durant. But, like, Durant, Durant, I think, if you look at it the right way, really does deserve to be MVP. And, I like, I wouldn't – when if and when he wins, I wouldn't just chalk it up to voter fatigue. Um, but I think that plays into it a little bit. 
Um, and I certainly, you know, Popovich would have won every every year of his career almost if if that weren't a thing. Um, I'm I'm afraid I don't have a hot take for you. Like rookie of the year is is a mess, and like no one really cares because all those guys are terrible. Um, I don't know. I don't. I haven't really thought about six man. Like it's one of the like when the Knicks aren't even remotely involved in any of this, which they aren't. Like I guess Tim Hardaway Jr. will get some votes for rookie of the year, but other than that, the Knicks are just nowhere near any of these categories. No. Uh, so and, I just I don't really think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, but before we let you go on the Knicks, is there like one thing that Phil Jackson could do this off season? I mean, besides something like just crazy, like get a DUI or something that would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't do it, but like who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like that would just make you like turn your car around or, or just just completely just go nuts like wow i can't believe that happened like what like that that is sort of in within the realm of possibilities yeah i mean i think i mentioned jim clemens before i'd say kurt ramis was another one i think just hiring one of his old dudes who has already flamed out in the league as a head coach would be pretty disappointing um and i think would speak very poorly on it you know i i think like I said, there's some degree of cronyism to be expected, but I'd still want for him to shoot for you know a young analytical mind um, and someone who hasn't already proven that they kind of suck. And I think you know Jim Clemens is an assistant. That's fine. Kurt Rambis, whatever, if he wants to be an assistant. Even Brian Shaw. Like I just I, I don't like the idea of a retread coach, and I think there is some small possibility that he will just pick a name um, instead of taking a little bit more of a risk, which I guess goes against what I said earlier. But there there are certain coaches that would really disappoint me if they ended up being in charge. All right, Seth Rosenthal of Espionations Posting and Toasting at Seth underscore Rosenthal. Go follow him on Twitter. Uh, he, can you leave us with a fish to learn about before you go? A fish? Yeah, a fish. Yeah, I, well, I think I'm going to do uh, some fish links tomorrow, and I was just reading about uh, sawfishes. <laughs> saw fishes. Saw fishes. We gotta look this up. So there are <laughs> saw sharks and saw fishes. Saw, saw sharks are sharks. Saw fishes are, are actually rays, um, and they're called saw fishes because they have what looks like the blade of a chainsaw <laughs> just on the front of their face. The sawfish looks like like a stingray, and it has a sort of triangular fin, but then it just it has like a serrated blade on the front of its face. Um, That's like the Rashid Wallace fish. I feel like it does have a sort of a sort of sheedy uh, look to it, uh, but they're pretty cool and they're apparently not like mean or anything. They do use it to like you know cut apart prey or like probe for things, and it's very sensitive to electrical currents and stuff. Um, but they seem pretty chill. They use it for good, not evil. <laughs> yeah, That's good to hear. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> good stuff. All right, Seth. Thanks so much for uh, for hopping on here. We look forward to talking to you again in the future. Enjoy the playoffs. All right, thanks a lot, guys. That the, the I okay. I've looked up the sawfish. Since it's then. a spectacular fish. Spectacular. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. Spectacular fish. Top and leaped into the top five fish of my life. Oh no, that is now. Hold on, that is totally Rasheed Wallace, right? Like. <laughs> Because now here's my it's case. a lot of guys. Here's my to argument. Be because Rashid is such a like he's a nice guy inside. He's a soft, like he's a he's nice a teddy guy. bear. He's a teddy you know, bear. Every, every, both teams play it hard. Okay, uh, <laughs> but 
on the outside, man. He looks menacing. He's he just Sheed Wallace. That's what the he used to. Be. I feel like if the sawfish used to be a killer and then turned into this nicer fish, that'd be Rashid. Because Rashid on the Blazers was he had a mean streak. You know, he would he would get his prey, but you know now he, he turned into a little bit of a softer player. I mean, yeah. And uh, Knicks though, like this is James Dolan breaking up with Mike Woodson clearly. <laughs> You did it? What happened? I told her. In the kitchen, which was risky because it's near all the knives. <laughs> I started with the word listen. I uh-huh. said, listen, Marlene. And the next thing I know, I'm in the middle of it. And there's this voice inside of me going, you're doing it. You're doing it. And then she started to cry. And I weakened a little bit. I almost relented. But the voice, Jerry, the voice said, keep going. Keep going. You're almost out. It's... It's like I was making a prison break, you know, and I'm, I'm heading for the wall, and I, I trip, and I twist my ankle, and they throw that light on you, you know? <laughs> so somehow I get through the crying, and I keep running. Then the cursing started. She's firing at me from the guard towers. Son of a bang! Son of a boom! I get to the top of the wall, the front door. I open it up. I'm one foot away. I take one last look around the penitentiary, and I jumped... <laughs> That's how that that's how that's how I feel Knicks fans felt. They were like, We're out. We did it. We We're got done. out. We got it. We made it. They look yeah, they looked once more at Mike Woodson's goatee and they said, We are out. It, it was it was it was just great. Um Steve Kerr though, right? Like he's gonna I'm all about Steve Kerr. I but I, I Seth think made he... a great point in that who knows? Like he was no, a GM I, yeah. and like when after he we said don't that know. after he said that I was like, you know, why am I so confident Steve Kerr's gonna be a great coach? Right. I mean, just, just because he's young he's and he thinks about stats. Yeah, because like, he thinks about stats and he's yeah. young and articulate and seems to really know basketball. But, like, that doesn't make a good coach. That doesn't make a good leader. But we'll see. I hope we'll see at least. I, I, D- Derek Fisher would be fun. Derek Wouldn't Fisher, he? that's a great call by you. But I don't know. I mean, Jason Kidd hopped right out of the league right into coaching, and that's working out all right. I, I, would, I, would, honest, I would I mean, obviously, but I would feel, like, much more unsure about Derek Fisher than agreed, Steve Kerr. But Fisher's a little more Fisher a, could do it. He could do he's it. He's a little more divisive than Kidd was. You definitely think he could do it. I, I agree. And he's, yeah, absolutely. You know? You know, sign me up for, like Seth said, I agree with him so much. Sign me up for a new guy rather than rehashing Brian Shaw or somebody old like that. I don't need to see him fail. I don't need to yeah. see them fail yeah. again. We might, we, might, we might do another show ne- later in the week, but before we do, we need to get picks before we get out of here. Um, just the f- just first-round picks. Just first-round picks. Atlanta and Indiana. I'm taking Indiana. In, in the, in, Indiana's going to win that series. You know, Indi- okay, yeah. Further than I'm going to say Indiana in five. I think okay. they're going to completely I silence. I, they're, they're not going to do that, totally but I'm just going to say that. Brooklyn over Toronto in seven. I think it's going to take seven I was games. Say, I said six. I'm going to move it to five now. To be honest, I think Brooklyn's taking really? five. I think I, see, I think Toronto's going to fight back a little bit, but it's they're not going to win. Washington, Chicago. I got Wizards in six. I, I think the, it's going to be. An I upset. have the Wiz, I have the Wizards in seven. I think they actually take a game seven on the road. John Wall's coming out. Here's here's a fun one. Miami over Charlotte in six. No, no, no. I love the come Miami's on. Give me Bobcat. They're gonna sweep give Charlotte, me some but it's gonna be one of those series where they're all kind of close games, but the Heat pull it out. Okay, all right. In all right. Four. You know, yeah, you know, five, maybe five. So, all right. I'll stick, out, I'll stick with me, six to be fun. Big I'll be for fun. Next West. It's not, it's not like you can west. like grill me on these. Okay, West, Portland, Houston, uh, just all all. Give me all of the the Rockets in seven. Rockets in seven is is the right pick. Yeah, it's the correct pick. Dow- uh, San Antonio over Dallas in six, six, six. The six. Mavericks will eke out a few of those, especially yeah. at home. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm gonna take 
Memphis over OKC in seven. I disagree. You know, it was a great game. Last I, night. I, I think Mike Conley. All the games were good. I lo- I actually dislike Mike Conley, but I love him as a player. Give me Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook in six. Right. And Cl- Clippers over Warriors to me in six. I love the Clippers this year. I might even say Clippers over Warriors in five. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to go five. I think I'm the game five. one overreaction and the Clippers totally. are mad. And, you know, they're going to— Look at what they did last night. Although I mean, last winning night at Oracle Arena crazy. is never easy. But I think if a team could do it, it's probably the Clippers yeah. and Chris I, Paul. I definitely think the— go- You know what, though? I think I really think the Golden State Warriors will get one in Oracle. You, you, right? So you I'll, I'll say six. I'll say six. Yeah, six is the smarter pick, but I'm going to go five. All right, yeah, we're totally going to, like, get Kev back in here. We'll, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll do it on a Friday. Maybe we'll, yeah, just, we'll, maybe we'll just impromptu pod on Friday. Yeah, you know, we'll get it done. We just, because we, Playoffs. I don't know. Playoffs. Playoffs, baby. We'll both be there on Sunday for Nets. Nets Raptors Some game Nets. four. We'll chat hopefully, up Lorenzo. Hopefully closing it out. Ah, maybe. We'll get Lorenzo. We'll get we'll get Tom on the on next pod. Thanks again to Seth Rosenthal of he's also of SB Nation, posting and toasting. Gave us some gave us a new fish sawfish. to look at. Everyone go Google it, it's worth it. You're a sawfish, I'm a saw we're all sawfishes. Sawfish? Sawfish, right? See ya.